Welcome to the Swim Swim Breakdown. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, coming to you from Austin, Texas. We are joined by Swim Swim Editor-in-Chief Braden Keith from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Senior International Reporter Loretta Race from Kentucky. First off today, I know your Phillies are in the World Series. It's about the only thing I know about baseball. So my question is this, is baseball the most boring sport? Uh, No, swimming is. (laughs) um playoff we'll we'll get more into that later right um playoff baseball is exciting playoff baseball is a good time i want to be clear the phillies are not my team per se i am just anti-astros and i like it when my city's happy that makes me happy (laughs) oh that's like that's both your cities in the world series Braden. Yeah, but I grew up in Chicago, so I'm a Cubs fan. (laughs) (laughs) So really, it's neither of your cities. (laughs) So I think baseball is boring. Okay, but it's it's this level and then beneath it is golf and bowling. Those two are like tied for the most. Yeah, but I was watching Nelly's celebrity bowling show on TV the other day. It came on after something else I was watching. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that had me entertained. I was glued to the TV oh. for an hour and a half watching celebrities bowl. Oh, that God. it really took me a minute to comprehend that entire phrase. Nelly's celebrity bowling show. I would watch the crap out of that. I just saw, <laughs> I just saw that movie with Woody Harrelson and uh, Bill Murray about bowling. I don't know if you guys have Kingpin? Woody. Har- mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Where yeah. Woody Harrelson like gets his hand chopped off and then he has to yeah. bowl. Oh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say golf is also boring, but bowling, I would rank it above baseball, honestly. Oh no, but play, playoff baseball is fun. <clears throat> playoff baseball is a whole different game. What makes it more fun? Just the, the stakes more are intense. higher. Everything matters. Um, there's more strategy going on. I don't know. It's just everybody's a little more focused. There's a little more going on. Mm. John Smoltz does playoff baseball, and John Smoltz is the greatest commentator on television. But that's not what you came here to hear about. Oh, you said that because he was a Chicago dude, wasn't he? No, he was an Atlanta Brave. Okay, never mind. Mm. <laughs> he might have played for the Cubs for like 10 I minutes. Thought- yeah. I think I kind of think he was like drafted by the Cubs and then traded to the Braves. Okay. <laughs> the name is familiar. <laughs> no, he's drafted by the Tigers. That's wrong. I don't know. He he was famous for playing for the Braves. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's talk about the most boring sport. <laughs> what <laughs> everyone came here to listen to. Um, all right. Well, Loretta was right. I was wrong. Katie Ledecky <laughs> broke a world record in the 1500. Loretta called it on this show last week. What do we think of this world record? Was do, do you feel like this was maybe another world record that's a short course meters record prime for breaking? Or do we think Ledecky is just kind of hitting her stride once again and back to breaking world records in season? First of all, I think that has got to be the wrongest that anybody has ever been on this podcast. Um, <laughs> Because she destroyed that record. Um, it was by a lot. It, yeah. Like, I don't I don't know that we can conclude that this is Ledecky hitting full stride and we're going to see Ledecky <laughs> back at her best times in long course. Like, it was definitely another very soft record for her to break. Like, it was soft because she had not swum it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that kind of keeps us from reading too far into what this means for her in long course, but I think it's exciting. People loved it. It was trending on Twitter. So still excited by it, but, uh, 
can't read too much into it, I don't think. Primarily still a record because Ledecky rarely swims short course meters. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only reason why it survived. And when she so did, I, she didn't swim that race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I do feel like... Right, right. So I do feel like like the stars lined kind of to make this record drop, but it was inevitable just whenever she was going to race the event, it was going to fall, and they happened to be here. Coleman, here's your, here's your redemption moment. Will Katie Ledecky break the world record in the 800 free this weekend in Indianapolis? Choose <laughs> <laughs> wisely. I, I have to go oh. a, a whopping yes. <laughs> Considering she almost broke it, basically. Yeah. In unless, the, unless the jet lag from Toronto just really <laughs> gets to her. <laughs> um, I'm kind of curious if you guys think that Ledecky just just the aging process in general lends itself more to short course meters than to long course. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would. I mean, my instinct would be yes. My instinct would be that. Well, I don't know. My instinct would be that your your overwaters degrade before your underwaters do. But you know, Katie's never. I mean, it's weird to say because she's also the fastest ever in short course. But I think. Overwater swimming is clearly her strength, right? Relative to, to underwater swimming. I would say that too. And I think like comparing her to other, you know, phenoms like Ariane Titmus of, of Australia, like Titmus dropped the 1500 essentially. So I think sometimes like the 400 seems more vulnerable for Ledecky, but it's not, in my opinion, more Ledecky's fault as it is more the other, you know, competition focusing more on that event. And Ledecky's still kind of having that full range, you know, of freestyle in her repertoire. Agreed. I mean, I would think that um, the as she aged, she's probably going to gain a little more strength, whether that's from lifting or I think just from maturing, um, which would lend itself to sh- a, a short course pool. Are you talking about old man strength. Talking about old woman's strength. Old woman's strength. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, I, I would I would think that Ledecky gets that naturally. Um, if not from working more in the gym, I actually don't know what Katie Ledecky's lifting routine is. I need to ask her that in Indy. But uh, yeah, and, and long course is such a, especially in her event, such an aerobic beast that it might be hard to maintain, you know, the, the pace she's gone. We haven't seen her go best times long course since she broke that mile world record in 2018. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking about it, but let's keep the Ledecky train rolling. Um, Loretta, you mentioned it, uh, a lot more people are kind of dipping their toes into this 400 free. And, uh, we saw one this weekend, you know, one more athlete took down Katie Ledecky in a head to head race, summer Macintosh. And Ledecky both dropped 352s in the 400 free. Summer just got the best of her in front of a home crowd, no less. That race was really exciting to watch live via live stream, which we'll get to live <laughs> streams later. But uh, does this, does that, does seeing two 352s change your view on Li Bingji's, you know, week old world record of 351? Uh, Summer will be in a ho- in front of a home crowd again this weekend, by the way, because she actually lives closer to Indianapolis than Katie Ledecky does by about 200 miles. Um, <laughs> probably not even that much. Um, you know, I think, look, I'm, I'm kind of like sick of 
this whole anytime a Chinese or a Russian swimmer does something fast, all anybody wants to talk about is that they're obviously doped. Um, I, you know, I, I will never sell out on any swimmer, American, Russian, Chinese, or otherwise not being clean. Right. I think, that, <clears throat> I think that the doping has gotten so complex. Um, I think the tests have gotten so sensitive. We've seen so many false positives. Almost everybody has an explanation for how they accidentally doped these days. Um, and there's a certain generation, you know, Mel Stewart, whenever a Chinese swimmer goes fast, Mel Stewart gets 600 text messages from his peers just declaring them doping. Um, because when Mel Stewart was in the peak of his swimming career, they were definitely all doping. Um, so like that, that's for some people that's never going to change, but like, I'm so bored by it because at the end of the day, like there's over a billion people in China and they sink a ton of resources into swimming. So why is it so hard to believe that they can train a swimmer to go 351? You know, and, and that ignores the fact that Pete Katie Ledecky probably would have been 349 in this race. Um, you know, Leah's training under Mark Schubert, an American coach. And you can say a lot of things about Mark Schubert, but like one of those things to me is not that Mark Schubert would continue to train her or be involved in her training if he believed that she was doping. Uh, you know, that's, he is from that generation I was referring to with Mel that where they just assumed all of the Eastern swimmers were doping. Um, all of the communist swimmers were doping. So I don't know. It's, uh, I, I kind of still feel the way about that swim that I did. Like it's, it's the world record. I don't think that the swim in and of itself gives us any evidence that she's doping. Um, I think Katie Ledecky circa 2018 would have been much faster than that world record. And then we wouldn't even have to have this conversation, but I am just kind of bored that all we ever get to talk about when a Chinese swimmer goes fast is that they're obviously doping. Yeah. And, and for me, I think part of it is just Sun Yang kind of just puts this black cloud over Chinese swimming um, as a whole. So I think that he, you know, people kind of look to him as like, okay, well, if he did it, then like, it's systematic, you know, all over the place kind of thing. And, you know, so I was looking and so there's 18 current Japanese records that were done on home soil. There's Japanese or Chinese? Japanese. I'm saying, I'm just okay. comparing it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying there's, there's 18 Japanese records that were done on home soil. There's 20 Dutch records that were done on home soil. And I don't remember anyone saying, hey, you know, there's this doping flag because these people are producing these fast swims. Yeah, they weren't world records. Okay. But they were like that person's lifetime best or, you know, they were maybe within the realm of world record done on home soil. No one's kind of raising the red flag because it happens to be Chinese or, or Russian, for example. So this is a response to the people who say, well, obviously the Chinese are doping because they only swim world records at home um, where ostensibly there's not international drug testing oversight, which is not really entirely true because FINA can test in China. Um, the, the Sun Yang test was a FINA ordered test. We see this whole thing about Chinese swimmers doping at home as though they're the day before the meet, they're just dumping a bunch of HGH into their system and dropping four seconds as a result of it. You know, all of these swimmers we've seen doping, it's not like when they, the meet they test positive at, they've dropped two or three or four seconds, right? 
doping testing has become good to the point where if you're going to dope, it's micro dosing. It's, it's very small amounts, mm-hmm. which mitigates the impact of it. Um, it's not the, whatever the German women were taking in the eighties, right? Like that's not the kind of doping we do anymore. And it's not like the Chinese, it's not like Li Bingji, um, you know, and whenever she swam her last meet, not in China, just suddenly came home started doping like crazy and that doping (laughs) resulted in a three second drop like that's not how modern doping works it's not like a magic pill right you you don't just take take you don't just take a pill or get a shot and all of a sudden overnight you drop time so that that argument doesn't make sense to me for that reason it's not like you can just target your doping oh i'm just gonna dope when i'm at home and Mm. then i'm gonna leave and i'm gonna stop doping like that that just isn't how it works Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so moving on to NCAA swimming, we've got one very, very exciting big meet coming up. That's the UT UVA duel. There's going to be lights. There's going to be cameras. There's going to be <laughs> DJs. And what is there not going to be? A live stream. So no one will see any of those things if they are not at the meet. Or not watching Swim Swam YouTube after the meet. Uh, why? Why? How? How? How do they not have a live stream uh, when we've seen other teams this season put on a meet similarly, but do it to the point where they are selling out venues and live streaming it to the public audience? This, I mean, this this feeds into a narrative we talk about a lot here on this podcast. Um, and swimming people, like there's just no sort of ingrained generational knowledge about how to make sports popular in swimming, because for so long, it's almost been a point of pride for swimming to not be popular. Like, I think sometimes <laughs> people prefer that it's not popular because then they feel like the antiheroes. Um, you know, when you're in the pool, nobody's going to confuse Texas and Howard. Uh, but Howard sells out their meets and and the one meet earlier this year was a big thing. Um, it was bigger than normal, but like, that's not that unusual for them. Uh, and, and there's this sort of issue where programs like Texas and Cal and all of these really great programs, they, they've fallen so in love with the idea of, you know, everything we do is geared towards performance, 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 performance. We don't want distractions. We don't want this, that, and the other, all we care about is the championship. You know, even the Texas ADs tweeted, all that matters to our swimming program is a national championship in March. And they've basically just become aloof from the fan base. You know, uh, Yin Yin, who sometimes comes on this podcast, used the word aloof to describe these programs earlier. And I think that's perfect. Um, you know, like Howard, Howard has this format and we're going to see lots of schools try to replicate it, but they don't really understand what Howard is doing. That's great. Howard has a narrative. They're the only black uh, HBCU college with the swim team. And that's their narrative. They lead into it. They talk about it. When we call, they answer. When we say, can we have your captains on before the meet? They say, absolutely. Yes. Tell us when, when we call Texas and Cal, they say, oh no, maybe they give us weird runaround responses. The Texas um, SID the other day told us to stop asking where their Olympians are. Um, So, you know, we don't, we don't even know if the Olympians are going to show up. Like who's going to, are you expecting spectators to come to this meet when the school says, no, it's not important whether our Olympians show up to the meet. 
Um, you know, the narrative of Texas UVA has become there's no streaming and we don't know if our best swimmers will be there and we're not going to tell you. Like that, that is the narrative of the Texas UVA meet and that does not get butts in the seats. Um, so, you know, they're just like taking this Howard format and trying to sort of slap it onto what they're doing and, and think that that's going to make it as cool as what Howard did. Um, and this isn't necessarily on the coaches or the athletes, right? Erica Sullivan was tweeting that it, when they were asking for the light show for the, the walkouts, for all this excitement to make the meet more exciting, it didn't cross their mind to ask about a live stream. But Texas has so many administrators. The athletics department has so many administrators whose job it should be to think about these things, to think about how to promote the program, to think about how to engage with their fans. Um, and those people should be doing it. And they're not. And they're letting their teams down. Um, and, you know, it's easy for Texas and Cal sit there and they're like, you know, Texas, Texas prints money, right? Their football program and <laughs> to some extent their basketball and their volleyball programs just print money. So they can kind of sit there and just do whatever they want. Um, and their swim programs will continue to be funded. But the world of college athletics is changing rapidly. Uh, and there's a lot of concern about what that means for the Olympic sports. And I think that that's where the sort of comeback for a lot of this stuff could wind up being. Um, when in the new world, does swimming still fit into the NCAA? Um, and if there are not people at the meets because the programs have spent so much time saying, no, we're not doing going to do that because we think that distracts from our performance and our performance is all we care about and yada, yada, yada. At some point that could come back to bite them. It might not. There might just continue to dump money into the Olympic sports programs for whatever reason. But if they don't, that's going to be the payoff. Well, my one question in this specific case is, did they not, do a live stream to try to push more people to have to go physically to the event. Erica said, no, Union asked her that on Twitter and she said, no, not that at all. They just didn't think of it. Um, okay. It's a football weekend, you know, Longhorn network ESPN owns the rights. It's a football weekend. They just, you know, their, their sports information director splits time between swimming and football. It's just, I think it's just a matter of uh, they just, didn't want to Longhorn network is airing a football game from 1990 during the Friday evening <laughs> session. And then their, their Saturday pregame show during the Saturday session, which, which is more obvious. You, you're not going to bump the pregame show, but ESPN plus exists. You know, there's, there's other ways to do it. It's just frustrating. Well, yeah, no, I was going to say my son plays freshman football. Okay. Or actually he's a sophomore now at, at our high school. And my boyfriend who lives in England is able to live stream the games and watch his football games right. and gets called out like hey we have like two uk people you know watching right. this football game and, and you know the texas the texas alumni are in the comments coming for me because they always are oh you're never satisfied they're doing something it's progress and it's like yes but this is what we continue to miss in swimming this is the problem right. with the isl right isl had great ideas but they miss the lowest hanging fruit. These things are not complex. There are probably 200 registered corporations in the United States or more that, that do these live streams. Mm -hmm. Like it is not hard. It is, it, you know, call me, give me 50 bucks in a plane <laughs> ticket and I will come and live stream this for you. Like that's, that's how easy it is. Yes. 
And well, that's the frustrating just... part about this meet specifically was, as you said, Longhorn Network has the rights, so no one else can come stream it. You know, right. I couldn't go into the venue and put it on Instagram live with my phone because they have the rights, yet they're not doing anything with them. Right. <laughs> yet they're playing the a the day... football game from 30 years ago. Right. And at the end of the day, that problem is solvable, right? Like there's workarounds and our readers will come up with tons and tons of workarounds that would probably be fine. But it takes somebody in the athletics department to say, yes, this is worth the effort. And they just continue to say, no, it's not worth the effort. Mm. I don't know. It is what it is. But like, it's aggravating. It's just so aggravating. We we're not we're not asking we're not asking them to fly rowdy in, right? Like we're not asking for <laughs> the full two hundred thousand dollar production. Just like point right. a camera at the pool. Yes. <laughs> Wait, can we just talk about the fact that like that is that seems to be the bar of like, wow, this is a real event because rowdy gains will be commentating. <laughs> Which like does that really I don't think it adds what we what we <laughs> um, imply that it does. Yeah, but if no. Rowdy goes, then they're sending three cameramen. They're sending a Very producer. True. They're sending a play. You know, all of a sudden you're going from from the fifty dollar production to a twenty thousand dollar production. Very true. We just need that dude live stream Andy. We just need him to like watch every meet. Yes, just give live stream Andy. Live stream Andy is an academic. Just give him a job at the University of Texas and a little housing stipend, and he will do this every week. I guarantee it. It'd be so good. (laughs) The hero we need. All right. Well, unfortunately, we have more, I guess, potential college woes. Brayden, you reported earlier this week, the NCAA will be voting, uh, Division One will be voting to eliminate the volunteer coach role and I guess expand um, a coaching roster, meaning you could hire more assistant coaches. Um, how do you think, so if this vote does go through, which you might have more insight, Braden, on if you think it will, um, but if they do vote for this scenario, how do you think it will trickle down to swimming? It's it's so weird being at the bottom of the totem pole, right? Because there's there's all kind of different <clears throat> ways to look at this. On the one hand, I am generally opposed to unpaid internships. Um, you know, we pay all of our interns here at Swim Slam. I, ju- I just believe, number one, people will work harder if you pay them. Number two, people deserve to be paid if they are providing value to your organization. Um but that being said, I like I understand the economics of college swimming. I understand that this will mean fewer coaches on deck. Um, and I also understand that there are certain coaches who authentically volunteer just because they enjoy doing it. Um, you know, we, we heard from one in the comments today and she didn't post under her name. So I won't tell you who it was. Um, she's a, a D1 volunteer assistant. She's got a full time corporate job and she helps out with a low or sorry, a full-time job at the university in some other capacity in a non-swimming, non-athletics capacity. And she just volunteer coaches because she thinks it's fun. Um, and like, you hate to lose that, but I also hate that working for free for three years for, you know, if you're, unless you're an NCAA all American first team, all American is the Avenue to collegiate coaching. Like I hate both of those things. Uh, so I don't, you know, 
I'm sure there's like creative ways to deal with that, but the NCAA is not going to get all that creative. You, you could come up with some kind of a system where <laughs> if a person is making above some income from another, another job, they can volunteer. I don't know. There's a lot of stupid and, and complicated ways you could solve the problem, but I don't, I don't know what the solution is. Like, I don't know how to solve this problem in a way that improves swimming. Um, but that was my question was like, what's the motivation between uh, behind the NCAA's, you know, deciding this? I mean, what, what do they care? You know, they haven't, they haven't really said um, the, there's one, the coaching limits thing is something the NCAA wants to deal with because the institutions, especially the big institutions that will, in the not too distant future split off and become their own league um, have said, if we can afford to have 20 football coaches, why can't we have 20 football coaches? Why, why should anybody tell us how many football coaches we should have? And, and I'm sure they make the argument that it's a better experience for the student athlete when you have more coaches. Um, right. Cause that's, that, that's always sort of an ACE card argument. Mm-hmm. If it improves right. the student athlete experience, why can't we do it? And so they have to figure out how to do that without things getting out of control. Because if you really took the reins off, I think there are programs that would have many, as many coaches as they do athletes. Um, and, and I think things could get really, really messy if you sort of, you know, if you just let them put anybody on staff, right? Like if you, if you let the University of Texas put every famous Texas alum on their coaching staff, that provides a crazy like recruiting value. Um, if you walk down the, the sideline and Matthew McConaughey is standing there, which he, yo, he is anyway, but <laughs> you can think of some ridiculous scenarios and they feel a little slippery slope, but college football is a slippery slope. So yeah. if, if there is a slippery, slippery slope potential in college football, it will probably happen. Uh, to that end, there are literal, literal slippery slopes in college football locker rooms. Now they have water slides. So if they have water slides, they will find ways to game these other rules. So they have to kind of, um, with a balance to these sorts of things, you know, maybe, maybe part of that balance is you just change it per sport. The volunteer rules and the coaching staff rules are different already by sport. So that wouldn't be hard to just say football, basketball, you can do the X swimming you can do why um but that still doesn't solve the problem of swimming being a scenario where you basically have to work for free in order to uh to get a full-time job and a full-time job that still doesn't pay very much so i don't Mm. know i guess if people are choosing to do it then good for them (laughs) free market versus socialism right (laughs) (laughs) sorry loretta didn't mean to trigger you Thank you. I was I about said the to S word. on that, but I said the S word. <laughs> you did. <laughs> Am I AK. the only one that hates that you have to volunteer to become a full-time college assistant? Is that a proven fact? I mean, is that that might just be an anecdotal observation on your it's, end? You know what I, I mean? I, f- I feel I like that's kind of it, culturally the norm. Yeah, hmm. unless you, you were a very good swimming. Swimmer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like if you want to go into college swimming, you have to, you, you basically volunteer, I'd say for at least a year, um, to kind of get the hang of like recruiting and how things operate. And because um, you can't, because if you want to be a D one coach, the path, like you can't just go be a paid assistant at a D two or a D three program. 
Um, I mean, you can, but that pathway doesn't work out all that often. There are not that many D1 coaches who are hired from the D2 and D3 level. Mm-hmm. Um, that's purely yeah, anecdotal. I mean, I don't really <laughs> think that's great. I think the volunteer position is an important one. I don't like the fact that you have to do that in order to like, if, if you're doing the one year volunteer so that you can get a job, you should be getting paid because you're doing a lot of work in that one year. Yeah. Well, and there's, I guess there's a question of if you say, okay, teams, you must pay a minimum wage. Is that really going to <clears throat> crush an athletics program? You know, the minimum wage for a full-time employee is $16,000 a year. Um, or 17, 18, it's less than 20. It's not very much money, um, on the scale of an athletics department, but there are 20 teams and different, different sports have different cultures when it comes to volunteers, but you know, all the volunteers in a big athletics department, you're probably talking half a million dollars a year, which is not nothing, but on the scale of a power five program, it's not a crushing amount of money either. Mm-hmm. That's excluding the the volunteers who wouldn't work for minimum wage, which is football, basketball, <laughs> et cetera. I would just think you could find like other duties for them to perform kind of like a grad assistant or something yeah. where you could make it worth it. Yeah. And well, and most volunteers them. are not full-time anyway. So that, that number may even be bigger than it really should be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's our news for the week. That's uh, it. That's all that happened. That's all <laughs> that happened. We had a world cup. Why am I so tired then? That's pretty much it. <laughs> um, but we do have our favorite game. Let's play some sink or swim. First up today on sink or swim, Adam Petey has poison in his veins after missing the podium in the hundred breast at the Commonwealth games this summer. He is coming back with a vengeance sink or swim. Adam Petey wins double gold, 50 hundred breasts in Fukuoka. Is poison like lactate? (laughs) (laughs) Lactate is poison. (laughs) I'm going to start an app where it's just Adam Petey telling you things to get you motivated. (laughs) He's gotten, he's gotten really quite good at it. That'd Um, be a great app. Yeah. You know, we'll see if he follows through, he's going to get mad at me for saying that. Um, We'll see if, if it all comes true, but he says a lot of things that are like, I don't know. He's probably been watching a lot of uh, football TikToks or something. It's like soundbitey. Yeah, yeah very yeah. soundbitey. Yes. Getting up yeah. at five in the morning, turn on <laughs> your Adam Petey alarm. Yes. You have poison in your veins. Nine one one. What's nine one one in in England? Oh God, I don't know. Nine nine nine. I think nine nine nine. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I in Fukuoka. <clears throat> I'm going to sink winning them both. Not for any good reason. I don't, I don't really have a good reason. I don't know. I just, until he, until he starts winning again, I think I sink him being dominant. Um, <laughs> if he starts winning again, then I'll be back on the dominant PD train, the PD immortal train. 
<laughs> the train that never ends. I'm thinking it. <laughs> I think he'll. Express. I I do think he will win the 100, but I think that Italy's Martin Angi is more kind of the favorite, if you will, for the 50. I, I do feel like Nicolo is is in his prime. There's nothing stopping him. Like he doesn't have these kind of roller coaster of like, yes, I'm on. No, I you know I need the spark again, kind of thing. You know, so I feel like Nicolo is more the 50 front runner, but I do think PD will win the 100. Do you ever feel like Adam PD is like too motivated? Like it's <laughs> it feels like since he's been so highly motivated, like since that's become his his thing, that his performances have struggled. And like it, it I'm not a sports psychologist, I'm not a regular psychologist, but like there, there's got to be such a thing as too much motivation when your outlet is an individual sport staring at a black line at the bottom of the pool. You know, it's not like football and you can outlet your motivation by running into another dude at 300 miles an hour. Um, your, your outlet is solitude. And can that can, can too much motivation be counterproductive? No, well, I just, Sight. I just feel like Michael Phelps, commercial under armor commercial what you do in the dark <laughs> yeah comes but out in the light or what how I, whatever they never said. went he michael phelps never went a best time again after filming that commercial oh is that true oh well, god yeah, i mean it was like that, 2015 or something. that was more that was more of a memorial uh, yeah. that's to still his career. the highest the highest watched or whatever red post on swim swam that's correct yes loretta race Thank you very much. Uh, he is the no, with, reigning swim swim champion. Yes, but with Petey, I feel like it says something more about him that he feels like he has to address or justify when he loses. Like everybody loses every once in a while. Like no one's going to win every single thing every single time. And I feel like for him, he has to almost make like a case about why he lost. And it's like, that's got to get you after a while. It's like some people just lose and, and, and you pick up and you move on. But for him, I feel like he almost has to like frame it. Like, you know, I was in the middle of training or, you know, whatever. And, and so I almost feel like he puts more pressure on himself. You know well, what I mean? It's, it's so obvious, right? Like, it's almost like he's saying, I didn't win before because I didn't have poison in my veins. But he could just say, I didn't win before because I broke my ankle or whatever. You know, whatever yeah, whatever. Right, right. Right. Like it's it's not like a mystery why he didn't win at the Commonwealth Games. It yeah, just yeah. At, like of all the excuses that swimmers make for not winning, oh, so and so was rested, so and so was suited, so and so shaped his mustache. Like I was injured. Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. That that's that's like a very easy one for people to accept, yes. and then just move on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm do it you. in the dark, right? Michael Phelps said, "Do it in the dark." <laughs> and Adam Peaty likes to do it in the light. Good he for does. him. He's one of the hundred most marketable athletes in the world, according to Allegedly. whoever so that his was. Agents. <laughs> his own agents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm swimming it. I think PD can not go best times and still win in both. And I think he will be much more on form this coming summer than he was this past summer. And for that reason, I think he will be unstoppable. Coleman, we should, uh, we should start logging these sink or swims and do like an annual leaderboard. Uh, uh, read receipts. How do you phrase that? Receipt read. Yeah. Receipt reading. Yeah, Perfect. we'll do that. <laughs> um, 
Next up, uh, Ben Dornan of Swim Swam spoke to Ruta Melutite at the uh, World Cup stop in Toronto. She said that she wasn't currently planning on going to short course worlds, but she was still weighing her options. After the success we've seen her have over the last four months, uh, which has been quite a bit, do you see Ruta showing up in Melbourne? Um, I'm going to sink it just because it's so far away. Eh, you know, I'm going to swim it because it's going to be warm in Melbourne and it's going to be cold in Lithuania. Um, yeah, I'm going to swim it, but it's like a real soft swim. I don't feel real good about it. I mean, there's money to be made, right? Sinking it. I feel like it's, if she said she's kind of on the fence about it, I feel like she'll kind of wait till Fukuoka. And then I think Paris 2024 is like her ultimate, you know, I have totally re-arrived. I'm, you know, reestablishing my dominance atop, uh, you know, the hundred breast podium. So I feel like December is kind of like, she can, she can't, I, I don't think she will. I'm thinking it. I, I, I'm going to swim in as well. I think there's money to be made. I think she's on a hot streak. I think, I don't know if she's going to Indy. I would assume she is if she went to Toronto. Why come to North America? There's a lot of money to be made. In, yeah. In Indy for, since she swam Berlin, right? Uh, yeah. So she that's did like swim Berlin. 60 plus thousand dollars to be made in Indy. She'll be in Indy. So. Yeah, well, Indy versus Melbourne. I think yeah. she'll. I think she'll keep the gravy train going. I think coming on the, on her comeback, you know, she's kind of felt things out, see how she's felt. I think she's going to be feeling good and we'll see her down under to win a couple short course world titles. Also spoken to in Toronto, Kyle Chalmers, who said he is looking forward to a head to head to head battle with david popovich and caleb dressel in the hunter free whenever that does come this is a very specific sink or swim do you think that in fukuoka we will see those three athletes in the 100 meter freestyle final right next to each other race i'm going to sink it because this is swimming and we can't have nice things so something's going to happen chalmers going to get injured dressel is still going to be on a break Popovich is going to miss his flight from Romania. I don't know. I just feel like there's too many unknowns, especially between Chalmers and Dressel, that something's going to pop up and they're not all going to make it there. I'm thinking it because I don't think Dressel is, is, has his eyes on, on 2023. I think he has his eyes on, if anything, 2024. So I feel like he's just not even going to be there. So if anything, I think it would be Dressel or excuse me, um, Chalmers, uh, Popovich and Huang, some Wu of Korea. That's who I think are going to be like the three primary, like the triad of the 100 free in 2023. Yeah, I mean, there's mm-hmm. still no indication that Dressel is back in the water, right? He just got another tattoo. Right. So that'll keep him out for a little while, maybe. He always swims with his tattoos. He uses a thing, <clears throat> yeah. but that's true. There is no indication, but I, I feel like he is. He posted to Instagram that one time. So, about NFTs? No. About Ford? No. I think it was. I'm oh just no, he did one. Yeah, he did like, do one real post. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the one real post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, NFTs six months too late. Right. Twelve months too late. How long I'll keep the, I'll keep the swim train going. 
I think we'll see it. I think we'll see the first heat of ever that has two guys go 46. I don't think all three of them will. I think two of them will. Uh, I think Kyle's been looking real good this season. I think David Popovich is David Popovich. I think Caleb Dressel is a big wild card, but I think they'll all be in the final. And I think we'll see the fastest Hunter freestyle heat of all time. Yeah, we definitely have to keep track of these sinker swims. (laughs) (laughs) Count it. That's a receipt. All right. (laughs) Will Michigan State swimming and diving actually get reinstated after their administration has said, we're looking into it? (laughs) You're just doing this to bait that one Michigan State alumni into telling us (laughs) to go F ourselves over and over again. I, I hope that guy's not involved in this. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to sink it um, because I think if push comes to shove and they paint Michigan State into a corner legally, that Michigan State will solve it with lacrosse or field hockey or something else that's not swimming. Um, so that's, I think, why I'm sinking it. You know, we don't. I guess we don't know what the new administration is going to say about this. Um, they did say they were going to reevaluate it, but administrators just say they're going to reevaluate things so that people stop calling them sometimes. Um, so I'm, I'm going to sink it until we see more concrete progress. I'm sinking it because I always go back to Western Kentucky. They said they were going to be a five-year basic like suspension. Okay. And then they were going to get reinstated, never got reinstated. So I have a hardened heart over that. Yeah. <laughs> Although S- Stony Brook <laughs> el- eliminated their team, brought it back, eliminated again, and then brought it back again. <laughs> so maybe that's the counter example. Maybe. <clears throat> yeah. I, yeah. I'm sinking it until further notice. I, it's just, just it's hard to bring a team back you just it just doesn't happen right like, i like, guess it where did it happen it happened at william and mary is that right it happened at but Dartmouth. D- was that was that were those teams like gone gone or were they just like oh we're getting cut and then we'll bring you back like a y- no they were deaf i i don't think they actually missed competition but most of their or a big chunk of their roster transferred out they were the cut gotcha. was announced and that see, was the I whole think- one where she plagiarized, you know, they they basically got oh, the right. uh, the president of the university fired because she plagiarized a speech. Oh, right. Um, and to to me, that's the difference is that like Michigan State swimming and diving is like non-existent right now. It's not like oh, half your athletes are, are gone, but you're still kind of there. Like True. it's not on campus. Um, aside from I'm assuming the pool. <clears throat> So that I feel like it's way harder to resurrect something than to gather the shambles. And unlike Iowa, unlike whoever, Michigan State, they need the pool, right? Like the pool still has to come. They're not going to reinstate the program, I don't think, without the pool. There's a lot of people who are arguing whether or not you need the pool, but the pool has to be there, I think, for to convince the administration to reinstate. You know, the Iowa women were reinstated, but they've got the pool and they use the lawsuits, but I think maybe the reason why Iowa didn't just go the lacrosse field hockey bowling route is because they already have the pool. Mm. 
And last up on Sink or Swim, this is big news today. Uh, there will be a 1500, I don't know if it's actually called the time trial, but at the World Cup in Indy, two girls, two women, girls, I girls. think they're girls, yeah. uh, will be swimming the 1500 free. That is Alexa Reyna of France and Katie Grimes of the US. They'll, it, it is dubbed a world junior record attempt. Are they going to get it? Uh, absolutely. Katie Grimes's long course best is better than the short course world junior record standard. Has anybody actually set the record? I think it's still one of those <clears throat> nameless uh, things. No, no, no. It, it, uh, Merv Tunsil. Merv oh, Tunsil yeah. of Turkey. Yeah, I think she's going to crush set. it. Um, Alexa Reyna is, is probably going after the French record, not the world junior record. Um, but yeah, I think Katie Grimes is going to crush it. I think that's the easiest sink or swim we've had all year. I'm swimming it too, but my question is who arranged this? Like, how does this come about? Is this, you know? They, I, I don't know. We found out about it because it was announced in the coaches meeting this morning. Um, hmm. And a couple of the coaches texted us. I guess it was announced as a world record chase. So everybody thought Ledecky was going to try and lower her own record. Um, but then Fina hmm. told us who was swimming and that it was a world junior record chase. Somebody else still thinks it's a way. I don't know. It was more complicated to get the information than it seems like it should have been. Um, hmm. But it's, I don't know. The officials are there. I'm if guessing the right, it if the was... right person asks, right? right. Big daddy, right. Ron. He <laughs> yeah. had to set this up. Yeah. Well, and the Badger coach, uh, Alexa Reyna trains in New York at Badger Aquatic Club. He's no slouch either. He's got some, mm. some connections as well. So yeah. John Collins has been around the block. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, did you sink or swim it, Loretta? I swam it. I, I think she totally will knock it out of the ballpark. And Coleman, don't do it. What? Coleman. <laughs> what? Coleman's go, Coleman wants to sink it. Don't do it, Coleman. <laughs> I do. I want to sink it, but I'll swim it. Uh, I, I'm, I've got recency bias. I just saw Katie Grimes practice less than two months ago. She's a beast. She's going to crush it. I have full faith that that world junior record will not stand for longer than a few days. That's this week's news in swimming. Tune in every week to the Swim Swam Breakdown for your week's news in swimming. 